Ross Payton here with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is episode 45 of Dice and Men with special guests Ross. RJ and Cody. Ross. Yeah. So I want you to know this is an intervention. No. This is a very no, safe not. place. Tom. But you have got to stop doing the announcer no, voice. This, this, this you are hurting people. No, it's hurting people as you bring it up the shtick over and over again, Tom. It, you keep speaking in the voice. I know, because that's you're how we start the episode. Every single episode has the same format. You don't understand how the podcast works, Tom. Maybe I do. No. Maybe don't. I understand what Cody, you you've do. made Cody sad already. Well, Cody so. can kiss my ass. No. Uh, You're part of the problem, not the solution. No. Anyway, we are, uh, this episode 45, we're talking about improbable plans laid out by players and how to deal with them, both as a player and as a GM. And, of course, we have all kinds of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, first off, of course, uh, the Codex of War, we are hard at work at it. I just had to finish a... Uh, well... Uh, at work. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're Hard working at work, at, I don't know. Uh, we have great art from Ian Moody and Violet Kirk, uh, and uh, I just turned in a large project for Arc Dream, so I've had to get that out of the way, but that's done. So we'll get that out in the next few weeks. Uh, quality is out. more important than getting it out on time, as I'm sure you will all agree. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, we, we will have it there soon. So, uh, And then we'll start running those Skype games for those of you special contributors who... Uh, really, you know, wanted the Gave privilege of me mangling your characters in a game on the internet. And he'll do it. I, I will. I'm I, gonna have to request a court order. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, um, so yeah, why don't we introduce now. our guests here? Yes. Uh, uh, we have RJ there. He's playing with cards. So uh, anyway, uh, and of course we have Cody here as well because everybody loves Cody. And um, yeah. So hello, everyone. Yes. I'm Cody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm RJ. Yes. I don't know why I'm using this voice, but Ross was doing it. Yes. See, it, it, it's a good voice. It's, it's a good voice. It's for... really contagious, Tom. <laughs> Maybe you should try getting into it. Yes. Hey, everyone. Yes. I'm on the radio. I'm Casey hey. Kasem. <laughs> and now on with the count. And I'm George the guy. I think I should be uh, the Wolfman Jack of this group. The Wolfman Jack of this group. Oh, Wolfman Jack says someone's at the door, baby. That's uh, the Wolfman Jack uh, From Dorgo. American Graffiti. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I stole that joke from uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, uh, okay. They had Wolfman Jack doing different things. Okay, well. Uh, Ow, your laundry is so done, it is hot. Oh, I think I remember I saw that skit. Yeah, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to link to that on the forums. Um, <laughs> but, of course, we this isn't the only thing we're going to be working on. Uh, Tom and Aaron have been hard at work at... Uh, you might have seen on the forums that there has been a... Uh, 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 Tom made a mistake. This is all born out of one of Tom's mistakes. Uh, but Tom- as it is often the case, sometimes yeah. my mistakes can bring uh, short, very rare flashes of insight and wonder. Which yeah. Hasn't happened before, so I hope this will be a first time. Yeah, for this it. will be uh, a first time. Basically, Tom's running two games at Gen Con this year, uh, but he didn't think to. Put them at different times because the the web interface to do this was confusing and strange. Ross, to you don't do not talk about something <laughs> that you don't know exactly how it happens. Um, so, anyways, his two games are scheduled to run at the same time, so he can't run both games at the same time. I'm not that good yet. No, he's not, and no one is. And so, the idea though is uh, that Aaron will uh, uh, be running one of Tom's games. So, should yeah, of this, course, uh, Aaron should, has should, never should, run Call of Cthulhu yeah. before, and should he's they, barely yeah, played yeah. it. You should know. the ransom, you know, yeah. work? So we will set up a ransom to uh, help pay to make sure Aaron gets there because Aaron doesn't have a job uh, right now. Uh, no. He, this he damn economy! Person. Yes. Um, so we will, uh, but during the summer we will, uh, uh, Tom has uh, agreed to train Aaron in the ways of 
running Call of Cthulhu, and I'll help out, and we'll have videos and a blog and an update and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it will be... Uh, it's going to be awesome. And be- also, if it's success, I will also write out the Divine Fire scenario as an yeah. actual scenario. So, because uh, that's what Tom, that's what Aaron's going to be running, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think it would be good for him to have an actual copy So we'll, we'll get that ransom up after the Codex of War is released, so uh, keep an eye out on that. Uh, but uh, for all you Aaron fans out there... Uh, who this, just, who, I, yeah. e- either who are hopeful yeah. or are, yeah. who are, who are sadists and can't wait to see Aaron run this game. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we, you know. I think as it was put, like, you know, the, uh, Aaron, tuned, was yeah, it fans. Aaron Call of Cthulhu was like, and at the, like, after four hours, the players get the feeling that something creepy might have actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> that's a funny thing. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned with. Aaron running it simply because he is so nice. Are we gonna are we gonna like run a couple of games like before? Yeah, we we're gonna. Get the idea is that to train Aaron so that okay. he he will become a worthy okay, cool. GM. Be so that the that. people who are the, you know they spend their hard earned dollars to run it. You know they wanted Tom and they're they're gonna get Aaron, but like hopefully they'll uh, they'll uh, be satisfied because we'll have turned him into the great you know a great Call of Cthulhu GM. I think that there is a special kind of horror in Call of Cthulhu Cheaply Edition. Yeah. And I, I think that Aaron will, will run that game well. <laughs> Cuddly Cthulhu Cuddly loves you. Pokey Thulu. Um, we, uh, there's also one other announcement, and uh, this is another actual play that we're going to be doing soon. Um, as you know, as you remember, Mount, you remember, uh, there was an April Fool's joke uh, uh, about a new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen 1988, with a... Uh, uh, featuring such icons as Doc Brown, the chick from Weird Science, B.A. Baracus, B.A. Baracus, MacGyver, MacGyver, Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, our player, we we recently got an email from a, a listener who's like, "Oh man, you guys are great. You should do. Uh, uh, we do a drinking. It's something about like you know drinking and listening to RPPR. And uh, they somehow Jason and uh, got the <laughs> idea that they should have a drinking game during an actual play. And uh, this is mutated in the idea that we should I should run a league of action. Gentleman, 1988 game while everyone's drinking uh, uh, margaritas. An excuse to get drunk. Yeah, and um, this has been coming for a long time, and it's just it's one of those things that it's needed a special project, and I think League 88 is really the yeah. one to that's the one to do it with. <laughs> so um, we're gonna do this uh, on Cinco de Mayo. So uh, this will be a of uh, course. Uh, uh, this will be a, a game for the ages. This will either be the best game or the worst game ever, okay. or the cops will be called. Probably. And not, I'd like but, to reiterate, uh, I don't drink. Yes, Tom. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> um, this is uh, Tom's thing. He likes to announce. Nah! Oh, Tom, why did you bring your high horse with you? <laughs> um, but I, what I like about this the most is that, like, you know, Ross doesn't drink and Tom doesn't drink, and we're going to get just fucking shit-faced to, to, to just make their lives miserable and make them take care of us. And I think that that is a, a better idea than if everyone drank. So, yeah. so that you're would give me right home. <laughs> Probably, and I don't know where you live. So, and, Although uh, I, I will pretend, pretend to stop at every gas station I come to and pretend to fill up and make you pay for a full tank. You realize that doesn't work more than once, right? Yeah. Once, I was, once is all I need. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we're going to talk about the main topic of this is, uh, you know, uh, the improbable plans. It, it seems to be a running thing in games where players come up with really elaborate plans for either simple challenges or for great challenges. But uh, they can baffle GMs. They can, te- you know, confuse and enrage other players. Uh, yet they... Uh, Especially if they watched a heist movie the night before. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you do not want to pull off Ocean's Eleven in 
Call of Cthulhu because that's just going to end in tears. Like, all right, you make the distraction. I'll get the Necronomicon, and you know, then we get the balloons, and yeah, then oh, ghouls eat you all. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so how? Uh, uh, why don't we first describe what is you know every GM or every RPG usually involves planning at some point, hopefully on the player's part. So what is the difference between a normal plan and a crazy improbable improbable plan? So uh, yes, we'll we'll go around the round table and uh, talk about that. So um, from a practical standpoint, the only real difference is what you can get away with. <laughs> Versus right. what you can't. Uh, I, I think from a more realistic standpoint, again, it's probably the uh, difference between the assumptions that you're making based on uh, what the other players in the crazy plan will do or what the NPCs will do versus what they are actually capable of doing and, and just kind of building a flimsy-ass house of cards. Cody. I gotcha. <laughs> Thank you for that yeah, yeah. Uh, rousing introduction. Um, <laughs> A-rousing. Hello. Um, I think that the, the difference between a, a good, like, elaborate plan and, uh, and just an, an average plan is, is uh, <laughs> an average plan, like a normal plan, would be, you know, one or two skill checks to, to try and, and uh, you know, complete whatever objective that you have. But an elaborate plan requires you to get out inventory you haven't used in months. And, like, you know, something that the GM has probably forgotten about that you have. You know, it's like, I had this Swiss Army knife that I had from, <laughs> from the very first game that I stole off of a, a hiker that we murdered or something <laughs> like that. And I want to use that to, to, like, stab into this thing, you know. And, and uh, you know, as, as, as long as it's really just over the top and, and utilizing things that no one would think about or utilizing something in a different way like i don't know turning a, a tent into a parachute or something ridiculous you know just really going over the top with the inventory and and multiple multiple skill checks i think that's what makes a really great i know one warning plan. sign is if you ever get someone start doing physics equations like that's never gonna end well so yeah well, I mean, like, well, if the volume of the water of the lake is blah, 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 and we cast, uh, turn it into ice, and then blah, 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 you know, like, oh, god damn it, physics why, majors, why are you a wizard? Why do you yeah. hate science? Because <laughs> it's Dungeons and Dragons, and physics majors are annoying. I'm sorry. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Yeah. Me, it's simple. It's the amount of thought. Engineers, too. Yeah, it's the amount of thought into engineers. a plan versus the actual difficulty of the problem. Um... Uh, it, well, in general, yeah, but sometimes you come. I think there are there is an exception when you come a, a very you know hard to solve problems. I mean, some GMs do like challenging players and like want to genuinely make you think like uh, difficult puzzles or something like that. For me, I think it's genre conventions. You know, like if you're most if you're doing something out of genre, like you don't see you know Conan. Uh, uh, spending three hours measuring out the width of a, you know, the dimensions of a dungeon corridor so he can get over a fucking pit trap. He just jumps the fucking thing, you know. Or, or makes a rope made of bodies. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this intest I will dry the intestines out and weave it together. To and according to my calculations, blah blah. Just cross the damn pit. God damn it. Um, so I think I think it it it, it sort of depends on the on the genre conventions. Um, but. 
the problem is, you know, they're uh, with these elaborate plans. While they can be very funny, like uh, Operation Trojan Albear, uh, which uh, basically, long story short, I was playing a fourth head game last summer, and I decided to we we'd sneak two dwarves into the bad guys' lair by killing an albear and stuffing the al uh, the dwarves into the albear. And then, like, knocking on the door, like, hey, we killed the owlbear, let us in. And they wouldn't expect the dwarves. So the, the surprise dwarves would Nobody the expects day. the dwarves. The, yeah, in the owlbear. So uh, that was funny, though. And that, that was good. Um, but it, it, it's, the problem with these elaborate plans is, you know, one, sometimes you're making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, over the uh, elaborate problems. And... Um, uh, um, but on the other hand, there's sometimes you, there's a genuine challenge where it's you really do need to think outside the box in order to do that, you know, to figure. So, um, what do you? How do you define like what's the difference between you know like uh, or really having to legitimately come up with a very elaborate plan and one like God damn it, just fucking do this thing. I know Cody was talking about like uh, in his He-Man game uh, about his shadow uh, or what? What was the exact? Um, well, I've got two, I've got two stories regarding this one. I just remembered another one. Uh, the 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 first one I actually heard from a, a friend of mine. He uh, he was running a game where essentially someone was was just supposed to kill these guards and then infiltrate, and he was a thief, and so he could sneak in, and that wouldn't be any problems. Um, so really simple, simple stuff. I mean, doesn't take any thought of what to do. Just a couple of dice rolls, and he's in. But instead, the player decides, he's like, well, I've been carrying this length of chain for this entire game, so I want to dangle my chain down, choke out the guard, and kill him. I'll dangle <laughs> I'll kill the guard, and then I'll sneak in. And, uh, and my friend who is GMing, he's like, I don't, I, I, I don't have a number for that. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to DC that. That's just ridiculous, you know? And the, so he kind of makes something up, and the guy rolls for it. And then uh, Caleb rolls a, 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 a spot check for the other guard to see if he sees it, and he rolls a fucking one. And so so this guy just gets strangled to death by this chain, and it's just completely, like, like it's, it's totally unnecessary for that to, to, to be so elaborate. Um, from Yeah. From, from my He-Man game, though, uh, like essentially people were supposed to just break into this uh, they were going through the sewer system to infiltrate this fortress and all they had to do was just complete a couple of simple stealth rolls and, and that would be okay but uh, Tim decided that that his uh, to come up with the most elaborate plan he could and like you know 10 sessions before that they had killed uh like the trollins which is part of orco's race they okay. killed a, they killed a bunch of them and they <laughs> stole all of their robes and they decided to dress in their robes and i was like well you know you have one character that's like you know five feet tall and you know all of the trollins are like you know three feet or something like that and they float and they're like oh it's okay we've got this spell and this spell and and we've also got this and this and this that we can do and and you know, once he broke it down, you kind of sat there and you're like, well, it would work. I mean, that would work, but you're taking at least seven extra steps that you don't have to have <laughs> when we could have just rolled a stealth check to see if anybody sees you. And, uh, Moore's law. And, yeah. And, 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 and they ended up like, like burning down this entire building and it was really, <laughs> I mean, God, it was so elaborate. It, but 
I was I marveled at their ingenuity and their intelligence behind it, and so I just I was like, all right, yeah, you did it, <laughs> good good work. There, there 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 is another issue with these elaborate plans is sometimes you will come against situations where like what the the rules are silent or you can't figure out you know like the ch- you know garroting the guard with a chain like uh, it, it's really annoying. I know like sometimes the players want to do something like that, um, but yeah. Well, I mean, for example, talking about that, like in second ed, or excuse me, in third at D and D, the uh, the plus two minus two uh, conditional modifier that everyone ignored all the time, and we all use modifiers from like minus ten to plus, you know, whatever yeah. we we want to do. I mean, there is sort of a mechanism for if you want to do something crazy, you can with a minus two penalty. Right. But at the same time, I, I think most GMs kind of wink at that as they drive by it on their minus ten penalty. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those things where player plans, and and you almost need to remind them of this. That there is the you know the military principle keep it simple stupid, and Moore's law uh, is a DM's best friend. If, right. if people want to have these crazy elaborate plans, well, uh, an example you did when we were pre-talking was oh you know a guard came back because he left his daughter's you know yeah. wooden horse gift for her birthday <laughs> on his desk that he'd finished whittling, and you know he stumbles upon you as you're you know walking around talking about your genius plan with forty-eight steps. Yeah, um, I and I mean that's a good point. Like the more elaborate your plan is, the more likely it is to fail. I mean, like think about you know machines and you know, the more parts you have, the more there are to break. And, da Vinci. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, that's I, I was disagreeing with you. Da oh. Vinci had elaborate things: walking men and tanks and with yeah. One did any of them actually work? You don't oh, know. Wait. You weren't there. <laughs> wait. So are we using Da Vinci's uh, designs for anything? Oh wait, we. If aren't. you're playing Da Vinci, then you're allowed. But that's when, it. when we do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Renaissance era, we'll do that. You can do that. You can prove me wrong. But until then, uh, we're going to uh, uh, stick to the topic at hand. But. Um, you know, as a player, when if you come up with a plan like that, or if someone else comes up with a plan, I mean, like, how do you re- do? I, I, I don't know. As a player, like, you guys do occasionally, you know, come up with crazy plans. But like, when other players do that, like, wh- how do you usually react? Or like, uh, are you supportive in general? Or are you trying to uh, like, oh God, let's just get this over with? Or uh, like, there there is something to be said for you know role playing your character in those situations. Uh, no. We're we're not there yet in the New World campaign, but I have been playing a barbarian which goes against my nature. And the barbarian's plan is more or less just, that's stupid. I'm going <laughs> to grab a peon and intimidate him because I'm angry. And, uh, you know, there is something to be said for that. But, I mean, if you're playing an idealistic character or a character who wants the respect of the other players or, or something like that, you may go along with it. Or if you're playing the all-knowing wizard, you may be like, that's dumb. Here's my elaborate plan. I mean, there, there is something to be said for role-playing that. Yeah. Uh, along what what the character lines say, and to to be fair, you know, if someone describes a plan in in sufficient terms in game that it sounds like a good idea, there is an element of metagaming if your outside player goes, no, that's ridiculously complicated. Because you know, if someone's explained to you, well, we're just going to do these simple five things, and even if it's not really simple, but that's how it's explained to you, you know, then then maybe you should go along with that. Right. Um, or, Tommy, you know, you, you seem to f- favor, you know, pretty direct characters. I, uh, well, I have, it's mainly when I'm GMing, I yeah. have players that prefer yeah. that. And But it's been kind of my experience that a plan becomes too complex when it starts detracting from the fun of the rest of the game. Okay. That's a good, that's a you good know, that, uh, yeah, a, a good planning session can be a lot of fun, just like we used to think a good 
arm up suit up scene could be kind of fun too. If okay. You know what I mean. No, I don't actually, because like, what do you mean? Like, I know like shopping. Like, I know in every D and D game, like, okay, you get thirty thousand in gold. Like, oh man, we need this. Oh, do I need this? No. Uh, yeah. Well, it's what we used to do. What we used to do when the our, my my group was actually yeah. all there. Okay. Was uh, you know, the scenes when we were about to step into battle and okay, we're in the armory. It's like, all right, so now, like, what are you guys gonna bring with you? Okay. And it's the scene where we start describing what we're gonna bring. Some, well, someone would bring in some, uh, you know, action movie music start, okay. and start doing that. I don't know. It just seems like... the quick cuts that you use from like, and now it's just a picture of my boots. <laughs> and then I'm, you know, uh, Art, strapping no. things oh. to my <laughs> chest. Oh. Putting things in pockets. Oh, <laughs> And pouches. <laughs> yes, we had, yeah. we had lots of pouches. But, uh, Blood pouch. But when it's... That's you, a character. I, I say, like, well, it's really, it's, if the group is really close, then you'll know when it, you will know for sure when it's too elaborate. When the re- players you've played with for a long time say, uh, dude, can we just move on now? Yeah. I don't know. For me, it was always shopping trips. Like, there was every D&D game stopped at one point. Like, so the, especially in third ed games where it's just drooling over, like, I need this magic item. Ah, I'm going to craft this and make this and blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I see what you mean. Um, but you're working defini- that definition of, you know, when it, when it stops being fun. I mean, that, you know, the whole point of this. Well, and that's, that's a, cons- a group consensus yeah. thing. So, I mean, uh, as a GM, though, like, when you're, like, uh, how do you deal with players who are creating these, well, like, uh, plans you aren't expecting? Like, well, I deal with them in different ways if, okay, if the whole group gets into it, yeah. then I go with it. Yeah. No matter how ridiculous it starts to get. I will if if most most of the players actually about two thirds of the players are really kind of into it. I know okay this is this is what they want to do so go with it. But if it's just one care one person doing it, yeah. yeah. I uh, once again these people usually I know if I can say okay uh, just so I go we, we kind of got the gist right right. But if it's if that's not that's not that's not an option, it's something interrupts your planning session. Oh, okay. Yeah, two guys. When in doubt, have two guys with guns kick in the door. Exactly, and that happened a lot. Because <laughs> you're playing players are annoyed. Or... No, we, well, my players are action movie players. Okay. And they... Well, wouldn't they want to get to the part where they actually shoot people, or do they just want to keep strapping things on? No, they love... <laughs> I, well, I told you, that group, it was never just uh, roll to hit, okay, now roll damage. No, it's... Uh, we actually had a system where we described what we wanted to do, No. and the more elaborate and actual group consensus cool it was yeah it was easier and or diff- more difficult i see i see um so but cody like for you like when you're, you're dealing with players like you know uh jessica she had the disguise kit uh or uh, other uh, he-man players like what did how did you deal with plans you weren't expecting or elaborate uh, um well i mean you totally sort of explain like for yeah, your, yeah, your, yeah 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 sometimes though sometimes i i feel like um you kind of have to throw players a bone at times and say, "Well, you've 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 spent so much time working on this, and yeah. and I hate to uh, to to just shut you down." Um, and so, like I, I mean, I, I'm willing to, to work with players as as far as like what they want to do because it is all about them anyway. Um, but uh, well, it's about the GM. Well, too. yeah, yeah, no, but you know, it's it, yeah. you, you, you you can't bloody play Dungeons and Dragons with just a GM. Well, so yeah. it's like, could. yeah, it might be a little. Well, we weird. Had our but... anecdote today is about that kind of GM who thinks he could. So oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So we'll get to that. But you know, asshole. it's 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 all about it's all about uh, trying to uh, you know, I mean, there are sometimes I mean there are sometimes when someone will come up with a, with a, a plan that they f- feel is elaborate but it doesn't it just doesn't work out and I've told 
just so many stories about Jessica, and I feel so so bad sometimes. <laughs> but but you know, I, I and I've told this one before. I know I have, but but it's it's like when she uh, wanted to set a fire uh, to to distract all these like guards from coming at her and it's like well first off you're in a lush jungle area so a fire is not going to really work that easily but the other thing is is that you have a horde a swarm just a a fucking like like lord of the rings-esque scene where it's just like an army of people just like like running right at her yeah and she wants to set a small fire so that they'll be more concerned about that and cause confusion that won't happen it's not possible you know, unless you have, unless you can just be a, a pull a fire starter and start a huge raging inferno. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way she could do that. You know, right. she was a, she was like a, a, a thief or something okay. a, a, equivalent well, to that. You yeah. know, not, not a possible. Rogue. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, you know, that's not, and and that was one of the instances where I, I, I just tried to say to her, it's like this is, this is not, it's either too elaborate or it's just not elaborate enough. Right. You know. And that was just a bad plan more than an elaborate one. Right. And uh, and I wasn't willing to compromise in that situation. And she got really, really pissed off at me. Um, but, you know, it's like it's like with other situations, I'm, I'm willing to try and compromise because people have spent so much time on it that to tell them no, you're going to kind of hurt their feelings, you know. But uh, I Social contract and all that. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Back to the social contract idea of, of, of gaming. So... But um, I agree with with Tom. Actually, I like some of the the things that 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 actually everybody has said so far is is the idea of of just throwing in those little extra things to fuck up their plans. Yeah. You know, it's just um, yeah, well, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's true. I think uh, um, you know we were talking earlier the uh, uh, the idea of that, especially it's very cinematic to have uh, the more elaborate the plan, the more things that can go wrong, and it's very cinematic to have an unexpected twist. Uh, you know, the guard or a monkey wrench in the plan. So. Um, uh, yeah, RJ, you were talking about that too. The the unexpected plan, the unexpected twist, or the unexpected occurrence is is, I I, I mean, if you look at at role playing as as a sort of collaborative storytelling medium, because that's that's what it is, you you start to realize that a lot of times in sort of particularly one shot adventures and, and things like that, a lot of the NPCs are flat, and the reasons that they're flat is because their lives don't continue except when they're on screen, so to speak. Right, right. And so the, I think an important thing to, to break elaborate plan making, or to throw that wrench into elaborate plan making, or or to make you know realism uh, you know present in in these types of scenarios is to realize that uh, everyone has motives from yeah. the loneliest you know janitor to the big bad evil Lex Luthor villain and you know they're going to they're going to have their own shit going on and so if you want to you know Lex have someone go to the bathroom in the middle of a, a thing and you know they're supposed to be in their you know their office doing evil office things but instead they're peeing yeah. like well we didn't figure he'd drink water and evacuate <laughs> fluids no god <laughs> like <laughs> He's a were human. Ah. <laughs> I know. So it's. I mean, it's one of those things where the the more sort of realism and, and the more you can bring, like you know, people have to eat. People have basic needs they have to take care of. Right. They're on the phone, or you know, maybe your villain goes for long strolls where he considers his villainy, like on a moonlit veranda. <laughs> like you know, these are things that people do. He monologues. And the moon. and so instead of them just sort of like becoming mannequins when they're not directly interacting with the players. It, it, uh, I think your players will learn pretty quickly if a whole bunch of stuff is going on they're not aware of right. because they didn't they didn't even think to consider those kinds of consequences or, the, or those kinds of 
there, time th th that is true. I mean, there is a danger in getting too caught up in the in the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I mean, as we'll see in the anecdote, like there there is an extreme of that. But you need you do you do need a degree of that that the world is alive that it interacts with the, it, it pushes back when the player is pushing. Yeah, um, I I actually wrote this in my portion of the codex, which you guys will see eventually. Yes, but uh, um, in two thousand forty eight. In two thousand forty eight. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were, uh, it was eighteen forty two right now. Yes, it is. Well, it's a singularity. Yeah. But uh, I I think that. Uh, once you see this in the codex, uh, it'll it'll make sense within the context there. But I talk about how um, you need to, as the GM, you need to think about like have your own player characters that 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 you play that aren't just NPCs. Consider them to be player characters, you know? Right. Because I mean, we make so many NPCs that are just that just function uh, have their one function. Like Quintus the pirate is a pirate. He does pirate things. He doesn't really, you know. But there's nothing wrong with Quintus. He's a fisherman. He he's a retired pirate. Yeah, but see, he's more complex than that. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's like it's you know we all have those NPCs that are just one note characters. He's that, having troubles that, getting along with his granddaughter. Okay. okay, thank you. Now he's come alive. Thank you for immersing me in the world. But uh, but I agree with RJ. Is is that idea that 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 you know try to make your characters come alive a little bit and then and then really disrupt players plans or 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 have players uh have to 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 react to real life things because i mean I plans don't work so I, it's a brilliant plan. I'm gonna have characters. Well, I know, I know. I'm gonna have characters pee more often. You know, it just it just works. There is a, a bit of RPG humor where there's like a, a, a diary of this adventure. I feel all it is is like, oh, I'm in such agony. Why can't I do this? Why can't? And then at the end, it's like, I wish I could void my vows, but I don't for some reason. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, that that <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me think of. Uh, Games well, I, I mean, we do have an example from the newest New World session that we that we played yesterday, which you know you guys won't see until you know 2019. But um, <laughs> basically, uh, uh, Cody's character. I don't even think they're in on that joke yet. Yeah, those, I uh, know that that didn't start until a few sessions ago. No. So you're like, you guys are like totally confused. I think I made vague references. In bizarre, I mean, in bizarro, our BPR fans will know. But um, yeah. so anyway. Um, Locke's character try, decides that in order to get these two groups of NPCs to hate each other and start fighting each other, which is good for the plot, um, that he will assassinate these two star-crossed lovers and blame the other for them, you know? Yeah, um, and, and uh, I was really, actually, what, what made me think of this topic was I, I was that plan yesterday yeah. that I came up with is just like, let's come up with a, a relatively, it wasn't super elaborate, but no. you know, it's, it's, it's a relatively elaborate plan considering that my other option was essentially to get these two people together to, to love one right. another. And, and the thing is, yeah. Jack Morgan was with him, the the Cobalt Trapsmith, and you know, Locke needs his help to do it. And he, he tries to talk Jack Morgan into it, and Jack Morgan's reluctant at first. Um, but you know, eventually, Jack Morgan decides to help him. And uh, you know, and I I may have had a change of heart by that point yeah. in time. So, <laughs> and it was one of those things that said, uh, as RJ put it so succinctly in the episode, "I've made a horrible mistake." <laughs> And uh, yeah. they nearly fuck everything up because Jack Morgan made his own plans based on what he thought Locke was like. Cody's character was going to do, and uh, so yeah, the, the, having those NPCs like you know anticipate their own actions and do their own things based on what the characters are doing. Yeah, um, I think. But there's also a few other techniques for dealing with these uh, kind of complicated plans. And uh, I know RJ brought this up, but uh, in our pre-talk, which is uh, the idea of sacrifice. The idea is that if the players want to do something really over the top, really ridiculous, having them sacrifice something is 
is uh, important. Now, you know, for minor things, I usually use healing surges in fourth ed games. Like when you march through the wilderness and make an endurance check, there you have to make a uh, do that. Uh, but yeah, our- um, I I don't even necessarily know that that I require them to make sacrifice or make them aware. Well, it's one where one technique, or, or or even make them aware of the fact that there will be a you know a quote unquote sacrifice. But for example. Um, you know, something like limb loss or, you know, memory loss or, or things things of that nature that can come about because they created this elaborate plan and suddenly they're in something that because they have created a situation that's out of their control through the elaborateness of their plan, it becomes out of their control. And now that, that presents additional role-playing opportunities. And, you know, one of the ways to make someone more wary of these kinds of, you know, things in the future and create additional role-playing opportunities is to scar them up a bit. And and not the, I have a cool scar over my eye, look at yeah. me, I'm cool scar you guy. No but you have no eye. Yeah. Uh, try and shoot to the left. Or like, you have a scar on your lips, it looks like you have a hair lip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try and look cool and sexy with your hair lip, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, but uh, I mean, that's the idea there is that if you I mean, it's also, you know, going back to storytelling, it's, you know, if you want to do something really uh, against the odds, there's usually a price to pay. I mean, you don't get to uh, tug on Superman's cape without, you know, getting super punched into the sun <laughs> to. Yeah, because <laughs> Superman's a dick. Don't you know that, Cody? Yeah, but there's actually I've been in a few games where actually the GM has forced the hands of the players to to come up with a more elaborate plan than they wanted to. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was a... Uh, Ross. <laughs> no, no, Ross, no, the difference is, no, Ross does it kind of cool. It makes you think. This yeah. was just a dick thing oh, yeah? to do. It was, uh, we were running Star Wars back in, uh, like, early 2000. Yeah. And there was a ship that was docked that we had to sneak onto at this, yeah. at this space dock. So, okay, we was like... Was okay. this Matt's game, or was this... No, no. This, is, this was another one. Okay. Space dock. So, um... So our character, the characters go up. and They want to. Uh, they, they, okay, they say, okay. So it's dock. There's like you know the the bridge and the docking clamp on the ship. They say okay. Well, there's a guard. Like all right. Well, uh, we may make some stealth checks. It's like and uh, thing is, he, he just described this guard like smoking. It's like okay. Well, all right. We'll try to sneak up on. At a space dock. That's dangerous. All the space fuel around. Well, that's what we thought. But <laughs> it's space fuel. So maybe it doesn't need a cigarette. No. It, it, yeah. a fuel is always explosive, Tom. <laughs> Anyways, go on. But so then he says, like, well, okay, well, okay, well, he's he's wearing he's wearing a uh, he's wearing infrared goggles too. Like, oh, okay. Well, uh, I guess we're gonna have to keep low to cover. Like, so he's also he also has a motion dis- motion sensor. Like, what? Um, okay. Like, so well, maybe we can come in over the ship. The ship had like, well, the ship has motion sensors on its hull. <laughs> and, and this was like, you know, like we had like we essentially had to do an an Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. Because everything someone we came, yeah, someone was Julia Roberts. Yeah, was Tom, Julia Roberts. Tom was Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was playing a Trandoshan at the time too. I was a hot Julia Roberts. <laughs> Your smile is almost as wide as hers. Yeah. Anyway. But I mean, this was—it was a good thirty-five minutes of every plan we came up with. He's like, oh well, this ship has this too. Wow, he's just a dick. So finally, finally, we just say, okay, is this does this ship belong to the emperor? Or the emperor's really paranoid, retarded cousin, or something. <laughs> like, no, it's just a smuggler. <laughs> so I, I think then the other thing is, you know, we finally just decided, yeah, you know, yeah, we take off in our ship and we blow it up from 
<laughs> from this from, from our ship. Like, well, you, you can't like. Well, you said it was powered down, except for its you know, the external sensors. Well, yeah, but well, we blow it up. <laughs> wow. But yeah. I, I've actually had GMs force it. Like, because apparently he had just seen some cool. My thing might have been the Italian, not the Italian job, like the, you know the heist or the. Yeah. Or you know some you know some one of those heist movies, right? And, heist with Robert De Niro, yeah, and Edward Norton, yeah. So uh, we're thinking we're thinking he really wanted to play to lay that on us, but not tell us, and then let us seem like I'm like well I'm such a, I'm like I'm an awesome GM. I thought of this, right? You like right. It? Okay. We and that's just railroading. That's just horrible. I know, but it's you know like it made us think on our toes a lot, but it you know, wasn't. Well, it really wasn't. It was like blindly pushing for the right solution. Like you keep hitting, like mm. okay, we sneak. No, that button won't work. Okay, we push this button. No, that won't work. <laughs> push this button. No, this won't work. God damn it! It's like finding the one little pixel hidden in one of those old adventure games, like <laughs> you know, Escape. The, Quest. Yeah, yeah, or King's like, Quest like, or Mon- like, Maniac uh, Mansion. Like, you know, like, like I'm, so, you know, I'm so, I'm so sorry that I don't have the right jelly flavor jelly bean. God damn it for your plan. Yeah, or your retard. I don't, I don't speak your crazy retarded dream logic you know i don't know what you want but that's uh, but that can lead to that stuff too yeah that's that's certainly uh uh taking it a little too far um because yeah as a gm you need to have that flexibility you need to be willing to listen to the players and come up with like now if it really was the emperor's retarded cousin then it would have t- state-of-the-art security you know because cut cl- you know you know, sub-emperor well, Cletus is a, a, a treasure, <laughs> the mascot of the empire, and everybody loves him, and they're going to protect the hell yeah, out of him. Yeah, it. but it's different when at first he just says, okay, there's a there's a, a sentry on the on the uh, walkway. Yeah. To going up, to now he has like, he's, but he's wearing Iron Man armor with a complete <laughs> set of visual, a visual audio and motion sensors. He got a plasma battle rifle. Well, they're just mis- they're just misplacing resources. Then I mean, I would just like find out the company's financials and figure out how to buy them out because they're wasting so much money on a fucking guard. So um, yeah, that's that that's just awful. Um, but you know, there, there there are other techniques aside from you know making the players or you know uh, having them to pay a price for, to complete these ridiculous plans. Uh, and I think one of the other ones is uh, uh, you know letting the dice roll where they may, like saying. All right, so you want to tightrope walk across from the two buildings, then, you know, pick the lock, then sneak in, steal the document all by yourself. And, okay, well, then you can try it, but, you know, you need to make these skill rolls. And if you fail, you're going to either fall off and die or get caught. Or trigger something. Yeah, trigger something. Yeah, like the more elaborate the plan, the more rolls you have to make and the more chances of failure. And, you know, make it, you know, let them know what the stakes are up front so they can say. Rube Goldberg should come to mind. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, all right. Uh, RJ, you wanted to. I, I yeah. think we've all been there, and yeah. we've all seen where someone will will use this maneuver, but go too far, and they're like, "All right, well, you can roll, and if you roll a twenty, then it happens." <laughs> and they do roll a twenty, and then you've got that DM egg on your face look, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh, we've all been there." Yeah, that's. True. I mean, that's the that's the the far extreme worst, you know. Well, I mean, on the other hand, it's a test of, of the GM. You know you have a good GM who can roll with that, you know, and uh, <laughs> can actually continue on the game, but you have a bad GM who's like just, you know, like, ah, you know falls down and, you know, flames and dies. But, I mean, I guess with that, are, are you making it a skill check? If it's a skill check challenge, do you, you do a straight die 20 luck roll or die 100 yeah. luck roll? I mean, depending on what the situation is, I mean, are, are you leaving it down to player skills, or are you leaving it down to, well, roll the dice, and if certain numbers come up, then yeah, sure. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, and, and again, it also depends on the stakes too. Like if they're trying, like I assassinate the president by I'm going to aim my rifle up and then try and arc it like an indirect fire artillery shell. That's actually how you fire a sniper rifle. That's do you know not know how From to use five range? miles away without direct line of sight? Do you not know how to use range range sights? That's what those yeah. circles are. I know, but okay, I'm talking I'm just... like indirect fire. Do you know what indirect fire is? Yeah. And ricochet. Yeah. I, I can use gun words. <laughs> just because uh, I'm gay doesn't mean I don't know anything about guns, Ross. <laughs> I'm real gay. Almost like Cody levels of gay. Yeah, they were talking about which wrestler they, they, they uh, are attracted to. Uh, we, we both agree that The Rock is a pretty attractive man and that we would be willing to... Uh... Uh, Sam, your, your wife doesn't listen to this, does she? No, no. Yeah. She, uh, she wouldn't care. I, I, w- I would tell that to her face and she would agree with me. So That's one of the things, she, find, the that's one of the things she finds endearing about me is that I'm willing to talk about how attractive some guys are. Like the guy that plays Green Arrow on Smallville. Oh, Oh Man. my God! Oh my oh. Lord! Oh my Lord! I the oh, <laughs> he played Aquaman on the Aquaman uh, pilot. I don't watch Smallville. Oh, I don't either. But oh. I mean, oh, I just yeah, yeah. I watched the right, I watched the the Aquaman pilot, and oh my God! <laughs> fired an arrow into my heart. That's oh. all I'm saying. Oh all man! Right. Yeah. Um, so what else do we have saying. to say about elaborate plans? I've, I've kind of lost. Uh, uh, do we have any other? This kind of went, that kind of went somewhere dirty. That, well, yeah, like that's, yeah, this is so new for RPPR. I mean, like you know, between frog snatch and you know, cum shitters and the screaming pelican, you know, we're just we're know, class acts. Yeah, class acts all the way. So, uh, but any uh, any final thoughts on elaborate plans for uh, in games and overly crazy? Well, you know, so. I say the elaborate plans are like a, like a lot of things in games. They can be fun if done right. Right. But they can be a royal pain in the ass and bullshit. Do you have any particular strong. good examples of elaborate plans? I mean, for me, mine is Operation o- uh, Trojan Owlbear because, you know, surprise dwarves. That, w- that was fun, you know. And uh, But were there any uh, crazy elaborate plans that you think uh, that you remember in a positive light? Um, Tom, anything? They're all, they were all We horrible. did a lot of them in Matt's games. Yeah, because Matt didn't know how to deal with us. Yeah. Uh, it's like, building yeah. a ship out of blaster rifles. Um, and all that kind of fun stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. I would steal them, because all the bad guys had blaster rifles, and I was a kleptomaniac yeah. Jedi. Who's going to the USS blaster rifle? Oh, and giving... No, no, there was one... It's not quite a plan, but, like, there was one guard... I, I probably mentioned this on the show before. I was the one Jedi in the group, and there was a one bad guy you know, shooting at us, and I used the Force to convince him that he had a urinary tract infection. <laughs> <laughs> and a very painful one, so he couldn't shoot at us. So I saved his life because we didn't have to kill him. But like, I could have just, you know, forced thought him into or whatever the ability is called into uh, in consciousness or whatever. But no. And I remember Matt wanted to give you a dark side point for that. You're like, no, I just saved his life. Exactly. So I, it's you know, I'm not being a sadist. I'm being sensible. So um, I think the new world is is filled with just so many elaborate plots. That, yeah, you know, certainly. And, session eight. Yeah, like there there was a. I remember we had. Uh, well, if, <laughs> the, I guess this one isn't one that succeeded, but it's just an example of 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 our elaborate plots. More 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 or less, just like deflecting to 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 something else. It's like whenever. Whenever Ross clearly is like, it's like there's a group of lizard men that are on their way and they're going to kill you. And Tom's like, let us, or well, well it wasn't just Tom. Everybody was on board with this. We're like, all right, let's go and recruit the lizard men and get them to join our sides. And and Ross goes, well, they they worship Thrazidin and they're all kind of evil. No, I don't think well, I said that. Yeah, but it wasn't Thrazidin, but it was something like 
they were barbarians. Yeah, they, they were, were pretty savage. fucking were, evil. You yeah, know? yeah, they were pretty ruthless. And uh, and we're like, it's okay, we can talk anything out. And so, and then we eventually like went and uh, and tried to to talk with them. And and Ross, being you know the the infinitely kind GM that he is, he said, <laughs> okay, am. well. All right, yeah, I guess we would join your side if you went and killed the Hydra for us. And then we're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go kill the Hydra. And we're like, wait, that Hydra must be really tough. Let's see if we can do something to convince him to do something else. <laughs> and it was like everything we did was trying to, to do something else to try and, and, and avoid something else. And it goes back to that old RPG trope of, of oh, well, uh, um. You know, I, I I need this 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 sword to be made for me. Okay, well, if you need the sword to be made for you, you have to go and get this this mineral over in the in the, the in the yeah, in the yeah. mountains. Get the red key to open the blue door. Yeah, and the only yeah, and the only way to go and get the the mineral from the from the mountains is is if you go and and have like a special whistle to get there. Well, the only way to get the whistle is to go and and <laughs> bribe this old man. But the old man only eats herbs from this this town, and the only way you can get the herbs from that town is if you go to to this other mountain and get like fire water or something like that. It's just like on and on and on. And then eventually you just say, okay, well, can I use the bathroom? Well, if you need the bathroom, you have to find the bathroom key. And that's actually in, and it goes on like that. So that's what I wasn't our, that bad about it. I mean. Well, I, well it, we brought it upon ourselves. That's the thing. It wasn't yeah, yeah. your fault. It was just we brought it upon ourselves. Yeah, so. you could have just had to stand up fight with the lizard folk and drive them off. But now they're like, oh, let's negotiate with Elaborate the lizard folk. Plots. And I mean, that's actually something that's, that's interesting for me because I, I came to the New World Party a little later than most is that because there have been this cacophony of, well, we screwed this person over when we said we were going to help them and now they hate our guts. It's like, Ross has done a good job of you have these crazy elaborate plans of getting everyone on your side. Well, when the wheels come off, now they're all gunning for you. And joining a group where you have 75 enemies other than the big bad evil guy is a somewhat interesting experience. So it it is kind of, of one of those types of things. Yeah, and they're not all, and they not all, you know, NPCs have turned into enemies. Some have turned into allies, and some are, they're allies. They just don't do, they don't jump, you know, they they do their own thing, and that that enrages PCs. Yeah, what, yeah. what about the? Uh, I, I know we haven't, you know, we didn't discuss this when we were sort of outlining, but yeah, yeah. It, it just occurred to me. What about the converse situation where you have some elaborate GM plan that you think is oh, it's you know down and detailed to the, and you sit down and one of your players like, well, I'm gonna do this, and it completely just pokes a shithole through your entire <laughs> plan, and you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, I know that's why I don't do many puzzles. Yeah, like, it's 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 important to never ever. Play Plan anything, <laughs> and uh, that way you can't be disappointed. Yeah, then you can't be dis- like I like mean, the lizard folk. I prepared the lizard. I planned for the lizard folk fight. Is it going to be a big like you know attack on the Alamo, seven samurai kind of thing? Yeah. And like no, we're well, going to talk. Like, well, no. I mean that's that's like I I mean whenever I came up with the Gaiden verse, which hasn't been posted yet by the way. No, um, there never the, <laughs> there were so many. There was like I had all of these ideas for it, and I was like, well, if they go and do this, then this will happen, and this and this and this. And this as it turns out you guys just didn't do anything that i wanted and didn't do anything that i planned and and i'm not mad because i mean you know it's it's i prefer a care a player run game and i just react to, to that kind of stuff but uh still i did all of this back work and all this plans i was like damn i mean 
I don't know what to do. And then, and then I'd take two weeks off and still think, I don't know what we're going to do this game because they've totally derailed this thing. So, uh, yeah, I remember like at one point, you know, it's, it's all about Cortez's, you know, initial expedition. Cortez finds this magic sword and I'm just trying to convince him that it's evil. And he's like, so he, he just really fucking wants the sword and I can't stop him from getting the fucking magic sword or it was a hammer. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, a hammer. It was a hammer. Like, yeah. don't it take place. it. It'll dab your soul. Yeah. He thought I was playing a do-gooder. Yeah. Gosh. yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I was, I was role-playing the fuck out of that. Or in a similar vein, um, how do you, um, I guess, referee between players yeah. who, you know, someone has some crazy-ass plan and another player's like, no, screw that, we're going to do this, and just totally, you know, changes the tone and the tenor of the game where it's not necessarily the characters that, that have strife, but the players. Yeah, that again, that goes back in the sort of social contract issue. And, like, fortunately with the RPPR group, you know, it... Come, we're, we sort of know each other pretty well and like you know being friends and the fact that none of us take this seriously I mean I can see it being a problem if somebody can't separate between the game and themselves like some un, unmentioned person in St. Louis who you know has a problem with certain social skills I have things. thoughts on this uh, <laughs> um, and apparently you know doesn't. I like don't know being what thwarted. you're referring to I know no, it I doesn't mean, like being thwarted at things at all and or, he doesn't like it when you post about him either. I know after I mean, you know um, after you posted like three no two blogs guys he, he lives in St. Louis it's like is sad enough. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Stop eating it all. Um, I'm from St. Louis. Yeah. So so he can talk shit about it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Exactly. Um, when you deal with two players with conflicting plans, you know if they're mutually. Usually, uh, it's very rarely that they're mutually exclusive. But if they are, um, then you kind of just have to be fair and impartial and let the dice roll where they may. Like you know, and then hope that the players try to or this would be a good place for an unexpected turn like if the two players are fight, like if PCs are players are squabbling their characters are squabbling and when characters are squabbling with each other they're not paying attention to the rest of the world and that's when the rest of the world comes up and bites them in the ass so give them a new threat and, you know have two guys with guns come in you know and kick the door down basically or like the hostage escape like we must kill the prisoner no we must rescue the prisoner we must kill them rescue kill them rescue yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> they they escaped. Uh-huh. They ran away. <laughs> exactly. So problem solved. That's that's usually how I do it. Yeah, or just it's... let them mind control the other player with a skill or something. <laughs> I think that works. Yeah, that that works. So, let them do uh, it. Let yeah, just let them do. Yeah, yeah, just let them do a persuasion skill so that you or know. Or a diplomacy it, skill check. Yeah, yeah. diplomacy. Yeah, just a diplomacy skill check and make them change their mind. I think that works too. Yeah. So facetious. <laughs> oh. Um, so those are those are good points. Um. But I think any other any other words on that subject there, Tom. Um, but because I think overall we uh, uh, nothing. So okay. So I think we've sort of wrapped up this this sort of subject for now. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a, a, a anecdote from Ian Moody, uh, artist for the New World. Woo, we and, love you, Ian. Uh, we'll be uh, have love shout outs. Uh, Tom doesn't have a letter, but we'll we'll spend extra time on this anecdote because this guy is a jerk. Uh, so we'll be right back. Not Ian Moody.
so uh, you know we don't have Tom's letter. We're doing a break thing. We're doing the anecdote first, but uh, uh, we're it's a good anecdote. So uh, our friend, uh, Cody here will read it. All right, uh, this is from Ian Moody. I'm trying to hold it in a way I can read it. There we go. I entered my most recent game with high hopes. I usually GM, so getting to play was a treat in itself. It also fit around the schedule of my girlfriend, Violet. She plays in most of my games, but now we would have the rare opportunity to game together. Supposedly, this was supposed to be a wild talents game in the Dr. Horrible universe. Something felt off when we were handed, handed out about 400 build points for our heroes. Now, just so you know, a standard wild talents character has 250. That's for a superhuman. Like a normal character, like a normal human would have 50 or 100 points. So, you know... But I was, on high, uh, I was high on player freedom, so I let it slide. During the first sessions, it was just me and Violet. We were told we should both make powered people who are not heroes. I created a James Foe, a, a Korean physici uh, physician excuse me, with the ability to control light. Violet created Dave Kinsley, a school teacher who turned into a shadow monster and could tear things up. This is about the last you'll hear about these characters, because they never really did anything. In the intro game, we were thrust into, the, into meaningless fight scenes designed to pull our characters, I'll remind you, a doctor and a teacher, into the world of superheroing. I was in a bank robbery. Violet was attacked by Siler <laughs> from Heroes. We're treated to a fanboyish rant about him. Ooh, boy. After Violet finished decapitating Siler, police chiefs that magically knew our identities, jobs, and complete power descriptions showed up and told us all about ourselves and that we were now to be the anti-superhero police force or we'd be arrested. We both said no and were then threatened more and eventually told we'd be contracted when it was time to fight crime. I guess that's like being arrested. Maybe the police are soft on superheroes now. In the next session, we encounter two of the GM's former PCs. He stops, he stops game to apologize for including them, then describes them in great detail and how awesome it is that they're floating. <laughs> I hear a slight pounding in my ears that unfortunately does not keep me from hearing what happens next. We are dragged into the headquarters of the Resistance, where we are, without a, without a defense or any knowledge, mind-controlled into seeing some overly described building interiors <laughs> by another NPC named The Director, who has a penchant for grandstanding. The point of all this is so he can tell us about our all about ourselves and our powers, then show off his own for a while. He asks us to join the Resistance against the police. After staying for a while because the door is locked and unbreakable, we are permitted to leave. <laughs> Cue Benny Hill music. We talked to the cops who sent us to the, to the NPC villain, who sends us to the NPC hero, who sends us to another NPC villain, who tells us not to talk to a mysterious, a, a mysterious super named Skywalker because he was mysterious, <laughs> terribly mysterious. And we're told about our own powers twice during this time. Dear gaming gods, I want to die. Next session, new players join the fun. Let's call them Lisa and Tyler. Lisa played a psychic and Tyler a teleporting ninja. We found an excuse to form up into a group and decided to go visit Skywalker. Lisa was immediately mind-controlled without a save into walking down the street <laughs> so that the director could grandstand a bit more and introduce himself. We told every, he told everyone what their powers were again. <laughs> that's four times for us veterans. And beat everything we tried to do to confuse him or hide without making a roll. 
excuse me. He couldn't figure out why we were upset. Of course, he was an illusion guy, so we couldn't hit him, but we tried. Oh, did we try. After an hour or more of trying to get away from the director, we were finally released and were immediately met by Skywalker, literally without having had the chance to move. He talks at us some more. He mentions that there might be an arms dealer who knows something about the missing supers. Violet set this next session out because she was smarter than me. <laughs> it was me, Lisa, Tyler, and the new guy. His superpower is to fuck up anything that starts to be interesting, and also technopathy, I think. We decide to go after the arms dealer. New guy dicks around and makes references to memes. The GM stops to add his own meme stories, sending, sending our teetering game fully off the tracks in a slowly screeching fireball of tedium and randomness. Another hour concludes the elaborate plan to, swipe, to swap the psychic with his driver en route to a meeting that evening. The sole contribution of the new guy is to suggest that we torture a driver for information we already have. <laughs> When we get to the building, Lisa is told that she goes outside to park the car. No chance to appeal or say otherwise. For the psychic. For the psychic. A slow hemorrhage must have been seeping into my brain because I wasn't able to move to scream at this. We manage to replace a pair of guards and are ready to take out the dealer and his opposition in one strike. When new guy makes the lights go out. <laughs> the bad guys, of course, know we're behind it because we're guards, right? They always make the lights go out. Fucking guards. Shooting starts. Bombastic action and fun. By that, I mean the session ends there, ends there before the first shot hits home. We met the GM once more after that clusterfuck. The other players had bailed that night, and he hadn't bothered to tell us, so we were waiting when he showed up late. He told us that we'd probably not that we'd probably not run the game that day, but that he expected to wrap it up the next ses session since we were at a climax. Cackling with glee, he tells us how we're going to hate the his ending. I take this to mean <laughs> he has some sort of TPK-inducing plot reveal since we have no idea what's going on yet. He's shocked when we decide that we don't want to be in a game we'll hate. His world is turned upside down, and he starts backpedaling. Well, it'll make sense from my perspective. I was just joking about that. You won't hate it, but it's too late. This motherfucking time vampire has revealed himself in the daylight, and he can't undo what he's done. I can never have those 20 hours of my life back. This guy was a textbook RPPR bad GM. I don't think he could say the word social contract without his tongue bursting into flames. So, uh... I, 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 the story is interesting because it, it just how many ways this guy is a bad GM. I mean, for me, the thing that gets me is that he's having the NPCs um, uh, read off the power descriptions of the players, not once, not twice, but like, what, four or five times? Um, I, 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 it's just, you know, wow. And the, really, and when like Siler from Heroes shows up. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, not, not just a character like him with similar powers. Yeah. No, him. Yeah. And of course, he dies instantly, or you know, the the, the characters, you know, four hundred points are really powerful. So, um, but I mean, this is this is, and of course, the no save against mind control. Yeah, no shit. save, no rolling against powerful NPCs that talk at them for several hours. Um, it, it's just mind. I mean, the only thing is, you know, uh, why did Ian stay so long? But uh, some players are just so desperate. I think the main lesson from this is no gaming is better than bad gaming. Because man, that was. That was that was just that was bad. That was awful. I feel bad. Um, 
Yeah. This this is a, a, a pet thing of mine, and I may have ranted to the rest of the RPPR crew about uh, 50 dozen times about this recently. Yeah. But that's that um, when it comes to superhero games, man, you really got to know what you're doing. Because the difference in power level between even a low-level superhuman game and, say, something like Call of Cthulhu or World of Darkness or even Dungeons & Dragons is that you have characters who can do shit like mind control or who can move planets or who can fly at the speed of light or who can do any number of things that, you know, from our perspective, yeah, you can sort of, you know, but I mean, even look at the, the superhero movies or the superhero films and literature that come out and, you know, they keep things pretty, you know, pretty Grounded. easily visible, identifiable, you know, Superman lifts a plane, not a mountain or iron man you know flies at mach 2 or the x-men have laser beams and can summon a lightning bolt they they keep things grouped in what we can understand but i mean if you if you look at a group of characters like the x-men or the avengers or the the justice league characters who have abilities that make them you know with have greater powers than even you know old mythology gods like the Greek gods, the Roman gods, the Egyptian gods, characters who can essentially do whatever they put their mind to, uh, you do have the tendency as a GM to try and railroad just because the the, the sheer number of options are are ridiculous. And and so with superheroes, you, you have to have a good group, and the first couple of sessions are going to suck. But uh, y you don't bring Siler in, <laughs> into your game to to put a point on everything I just said. You, you don't bring Siler into your game. Yeah, that that's just a bad sign. And then, uh, but I know what my powers are, Ross. Like yeah. I don't need you to tell me what my powers are. <laughs> no, I, I I made the character. I, I know what the powers are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know that I I, I can make light. That yeah. I wrote it down. <laughs> um, it, it it is. It, and uh, otherwise, uh, you have Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. No. It. it, it <gasps> Yeah, you have screaming and planets blowing up, and that, or you, have you don't want the, that. Or fist of the North Star. Fist of the North Star is great. I will be angry at anyone who disparages. You know, uh -huh. uh, you are already dead. You know <laughs> that that's just that's just good entertainment there. But um, it, it and it's not just the, the NPCs being you know describing their powers. It's the fact that the listen to what the game was like going to talk to one NPC, having another NPC talk at them. I think that's an important not to them at them. And then again and again and again and again and again. I mean, it just it it it's uh, any any type of game would that would be awful in any game, any genre. And uh, uh, this, this this a lot is, of GMs tend to run like video games. Not even video games. You get to shoot shit occasionally. I mean, you get there. It's not just except Metal Gear. I mean, yeah, Metal Gear. That's just you know. But uh. like, I, I get the feeling, and maybe I, I'm just you know prognosticating or broadcasting, but I get the feeling if the the players had like somehow found ways to kill themselves while they'd been talked at, they would be resurrected and talked at some more. They would be like, the director's so awesome, he regenerates your slit throat. <laughs> Take that Korean God, this is physician. an unending hell! And it actually turns out we've been playing Call of Cthulhu the entire time. We've been playing like a Sartre play. I mean, Jesus Christ. How dare you disrespect Jean-Paul? That man, hell is other people, etc. Well, that's, that's exactly what it was, wasn't it? I mean, it was. Uh, no exit. I mean, you can't even blink your eyes it seems like without uh -huh, i am talking to you i might control you to walk down the street uh one thing that ian mentioned was that he was very disrespectful to the uh the the female players as well like he would literally ignore what they would say and go off and talk to someone else and uh yeah 
they are girls. Um, but it, it's just like if you're listening and random GM who I don't know and anything about, you know, like, God damn, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? What is wrong yeah. with you? I, I hope that you were new to this. Yeah. I really hope uh, that you're not an, ex- an quote unquote experienced GM and still do this shit. Oh, I bet he, I bet he does call himself experienced. He's like, oh yes, I'm a great GM. Oh yes, my plots are so. And the thing is, he was so pleased with himself about his plot, and oh, it's gonna make sense to me, you know. It's uh, all yeah, and that's what I think it gets the hard matter. That game was for the GM, yeah. not the players. Yeah, it was a little. I think it's like it's for me. This is mine. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I almost feel like with, with superhero games in general, and I love mutants and masterminds, and I, I even love heroes and, and champions, and to a lesser degree, Palladium, because I'm a sadist. But masochist. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I almost feel that that from a certain perspective, just just because of of the kind of options that are that are open, and and just the ridiculousness of of the power levels and the, the setting, that that the one thing that lends itself the one style of gaming that lends itself to play by post better than it does to tabletop is is probably um a, a superheroes game in yeah. that it, because of the complexity the, because of the, of the complexity because it makes you have to stop and, and think about the kinds of things you can do the scale the, the description of it right. because i mean a wizard we know what a fireball looks like uh if you're a fighter we know what a sword slash looks like you know there's some cool things you can do with that right. but if i have the power to shoot laser beams which become fruit like there's a, a lot, uh, or a Green Lantern type, or exactly there's there's a lot more that's going on there. And for example, if you were playing in this game and it was play by post, you could just not read what the director was saying to you. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, too long didn't read. You know? Yeah, the director seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I'm gonna fly now. Yeah, because you know, oh, there's a purse being stolen. I'll go take care of that. Like, yeah. True. True. Uh, uh, Cody had to leave because of something. So, Life. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. So, uh, so Cody will be missed. Um, and he was never seen again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I think I think that's enough to, you know, hash out that this guy was... Bad. Really bad GM. Awful. Not the worst GM ever, but that was probably, you know... Uh, that was painful. The, the, I mean, it's not AB3 story bad, but it's pretty bad. So... Um, not uh, Biff Bam bad, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so finally we have our, our anecdotes. I've got a couple, and Tom has a few. Shout outs. Uh, yeah, shout outs. You so, said anecdotes. Oh, sorry, shout outs. Uh, I, I'm... Ross wasn't paying attention. God. I know. What's up with me? I'm just a horrible person, aren't I? Yeah, um, pretty much. So first, uh, Tom, you uh, you had a documentary. You yes, I, a documentary. I, I had the dubious pleasure of watching Hell House. Okay. Uh, it's essentially it's a robot d- house. <laughs> Thank you. Thank robot you, Roger. It was. It's a uh, documentary about the making of a haunted house uh, to depict hell and the sins that send someone to hell. Right. And it creeped me out only a little less than Jesus Camp did. Yeah. So is it worth watching though? It sounds like you didn't like it. Um, it's worth watching just for the what the fuck yeah. aspect of it, and to be thankful that you are not as bad as some these people. Right. That you, that you do not. That it's something. Feel, yes, feeling self righteous. I mean about something. Yeah. So that, you're not going to hell. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not going to hell. Are you going to hell? No. 
Are you going to hell, Ross? Well, yeah. I'm going to the Buddhist house. I've already booked a place. I see. I mean, I'm a homo, so yeah, I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to the icy house. Yeah, it's, it's just it's fun. just the There's sin- great skiing in the icy. Yeah, it's hell. just the sins they they show is so right just right wing propaganda crap. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's. You know, well, as a documentary, though, is it is it you know good storytelling? Yeah, I mean the documentary. It's the documentary's focus is to show this. I think it was the uh, purpose of the uh, you know director to show just how weird and effed up this is. Okay. So it's not a good documentary in that it presents a viewpoint as opposed to letting viewers decide. Yeah, exactly. Tom, was that or yeah? Or, I do think that was that was the point. Yes. Yeah. But, but your, your but, bias is so. Yes, obvious. I have extreme bias. Rod, okay, Ross, I do. I'm just you know. I and you do things. too. I'm. I can be objective, though. So know. can I, but not the director wasn't. <laughs> but not about this. <laughs> okay. I can be objective, but yeah, I don't wanna. Um, so uh, for me, I uh, a couple a video a browser game called Echo Bazaar. Uh, it uh, takes place in 19th century London, kind of a that's been pulled underneath the ground. Um, it's. Uh, very entertaining. It's unlike other browser games because it's not like, oh, you kill monsters or you build your little city to level up or whatever. It's like, oh, go drink with bohemians and then plot a revolution with the anarchists and then, you know, go drinking some more and then steal from the orphanage. You know, it's like being a 19th century, you know, uh, uh, yeah, basically, uh, and looking good doing it. So, uh, uh, it's, it's fun. It's got good writing too. Like, it's like the only browser game I found with good writing. Um, it's still in beta, but you know I'm on there, and you need a Twitter account to play. But uh, it's it's because that's how it hooks in. You don't need to log in. You're just if you're logged into Twitter, you can play. So, uh, but yeah, it's fun. So um, RJ, you 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 had. A, um, it's it's uh, it's beginning to become a little old, and it's beginning to show its teeth. But there is a sequel coming out. But I, I want to recommend uh, Cerebus's uh, Sword of the Stars. It's a 4x strategy game for the PC. Um, it doesn't have a, a heavy system requirement, but it still looks beautiful. And uh, if you have a multi-core computer, uh, it's great to play because it only uses one core. So you can you know, do other things while you're playing it. It's a, it's a great uh, 4X strategy game. And it differs from a lot of um, 4X. You know, it's a turn-based game. It differs from a lot of the other 4X strategy games where the only differentiation, differentiation between races... It, or you know groups or nations or depending on what what uh, genre you're playing in is instead of you know I have a plus five to mercantilism and a minus five to diplomacy because I am the traitor people uh, instead the the races play very differently e- each race has um, different ship sections and, and a different drive tech in terms of getting from star to star and, and that definitely affects how you defend and, and, and play your world there is uh, e- each race feels uh, Sort of organically like a, a a separate entity. It's it's a it's a great game. The the strategy is content and it eschews micromanagement for for more of a chess like uh, strategic feel. And it's on its third expansion pack with an with another one um, coming. The expansion packs are relatively cheap and unlike a lot of expansion packs. They offer a lot of additional content. The forums are very active. They listen to their users. And like I said, a sequel is upcoming sometime out next year uh, that will continue the storyline. It is a fantastic, fantastic game. I've been playing it for years. So, Sword of the Stars. Cool. Um, there's actually another PC game which I haven't played yet, but I'm going to try out. So I'm going to give a shout out because I think it, it's worth trying. Uh, it's called Frozen Synapse. It's still in beta, and it's a top-down like 
it's interesting. It's it, like you control a team of little commandos. You're trying to kill the other commandos, and you like you give them orders. You go here. You go here. You go here, and then the orders play out in real time. So you give your you know go to this waypoint, waypoint, then shoot, and then. Um, you know, you you hit go, and then the other person who's entered in his turns, they play out simultaneously. So it's kind of a cross between, uh, uh, you know, turn based and real time. And kind of like Fallout Tactics back. Well, think like Rainbow out. Six, like Rainbow Six planning mm -hmm. sessions. It's like that, only like stripped down and faster. So right. it looks really cool. So I'm gonna give that a try, and uh, we'll talk about that on the forums. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it Frozen Synapse. It's like. It, 20 bucks right now if you get it now and you can play the beta and then you get the full thing as it's updated um, and then finally not technically a normal shout out because I am a writer for Arc Dream but Arc Dream has two books coming out uh, I mentioned them before one is Bigger Bads it's for monsters and other childish things giant it, monsters right? giant, not just giant monsters threats uh, new rules campaign models it's you know it's a lot there's a whole lot of really cool stuff but yeah giant monsters is the main thing like giant honking monsters and Godzilla is uh, your buddy Godzilla and bigger than Godzilla so there's there's a bigness rating you can bigness from one to five and bigness. yeah uh, and the biggest one is biggerest uh, and it's really cool and then of course uh, our dream and uh, Del uh, Pagan Publishing finally come out with a new Delta Green book at long last. Targets of Opportunity, over two hundred thousand words, uh, three hundred over three hundred pages, uh, including a new Ghoul Clan in uh, New Orleans. So uh, I like the Monte Clan. Oh man, these are evil bastards too. Brain eating sociopath French bastards. Oh, they're, uh, they're French ghouls. Yeah, they are. Son of a whore. They are. And. They're the cult of transcendence, discipline. I mean, just like there's so much cool stuff in there. There's even a Canadian mythos-aware covert agency called M Epic, and we can tell we can we can tell them what we think of it in yeah. August. Um, yes, yes, face it, to face. Yes. Uh, well, it's going to print right now. The PDF is out. If you pre-order it now, you can get the PDF. Uh, I've been reading the PDF because I was one of the people who pre-ordered it, and it's fucking awesome. If you love Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green, uh, you need this book. It is just like ridiculous. Greg Stoll's can hide, you know, all the uh, Scott Glancy, all the Delta Green people have written for it, and it's just fucking amazing. And I've barely dug into it. So, yeah, get it. It's awesome. Get it now. Yeah, Tom. So, Shut uh, up. <laughs> so any final, uh, so I guess this is about ends this episode. Um, did you want to say anything? Okay. Um, so, but anyways, uh, so we'll see you next time. This has been RPPR, Roleplaying Public Radio, episode 45 of Dyson Men. I'm Ross Payton. I'm Tom, the other guy. Yeah, and, and Cody's already left, but. Cody. And fourth special guest, RJ. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. Nice. Thank you.